Well, should we just get started? I think so. If I start getting preachy, interrupt me. <laughs> Mitch, are we recording? I think they do this to us on purpose so they can cut in some oh, yeah, they're... Com- comments from the beginning. <laughs> and one, two, three. Hit it. Acorn Growers, welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Independent, a podcast brought to you by Wiffles Hybrids. I am Eric Wilson, Agronomy Manager in Iowa, and today I've got the Brent Tharp, Technical Product Manager, who resides in Geneseo. So we're going to talk about quite a few things today. Corn pollination is full swing. Love is definitely in the air. For those of you that have allergies, I know they've been bothering me. Uh, We've got some disease present, planes and helicopters are flying, chemicals are falling, and we've got some insects present. I feel like if we dubbed over Fortunate Son, it would be the next uh, Vietnam War movie smash hit uh, opening intro scene. So with that, corn pollination, uh, we got Brent, we're going to talk about some facts of corn pollination today, what we can expect, uh, and what we're seeing out there in the field right now. Thanks, Eric. Um, Definitely... A lot of the corn belt, corn's pollinating. If it's not, it's going to be this week. Uh, You know, just start off with some facts here. Pollen shed, you know, it stretches out. It's not like a one or two day thing. Uh, It'll stretch out 10 days and maybe even longer if you have uneven emergence, uh, quite a bit longer. But uh, the majority of the corn plants are pollinated uh, within the first six, seven days that you see a tassel and, and pollen shed occurring. So... Uh, the silks grow. Uh, they're they're good growers. It's about an inch and a half a day, and uh, they'll continue to grow until it's pollinated. And once it's pollinated, that silk growth will stop. Uh, brown silk. A lot of times we get that question, kind of related to the fungicide. Uh, that'll be two to three weeks after the tassel. So uh, we are going in that period. We're also, I'd say, some of the southern areas are even in this early grain fill period. Uh, blister corn. Uh, so that's just, you know, corn kernels that are pollinated. They start filling with uh, the fluid and, um, you know, those first uh, first signs, it's just like little kernels. You pop them and they're pretty watery. And then they'll go into that milk stage to where that inner kernel fluid, you know, just gets a little bit more milkier appearance. That's just the way the sugars and carbohydrates are accumulating. Um Sometimes it's good to know if your pollination is successful, you can go out there and kind of do a pregnancy test, I guess, in a cornfield and pull off an ear, husk it. And once you get down to those husk leaves that are right close to the ear, be really careful, but you need to peel them off. You t- turn that ear uh, upside down to where the, the tip of the, of the ear is down, kind of shake it. And any kernel that's pollinated those silks will fall off and anything that's not pollinated, they'll stay attached. So you can kind of get a rough idea of, of your pollination success. You know, Eric, I, it's been uh, pretty good weather. I mean, yeah, the rains have been great to be, get and that's just saved this crop and, and uh, we still need to continue to get those rains. I mean, not areas are flush with water. But uh, it's we're going to have to continue to get those rains throughout the grain fill if, if we want to start packing on some big yields. You know, as a reminder, uh, you know we're not 
we haven't fully determined length yet, right, Tharp? You know, the maximum length is set right. at uh, VTR1. And, and like what you were talking about, now's a good time to check pollination and, and see what we've got. I know I personally checked some uh, in southeast Iowa uh, last Friday. Um, I would say, you know, there was about maybe an inch of that tip. You know, the ear pollinates from the bottom to the top. Uh, an inch of that tip had, had yet to be pollinated when I was doing those checks, kind of like what you were describing, uh, pulling those husk leaves back and checking some things. So, yeah, no doubt we need rains to keep coming. Yeah. And the corn plant, if it does encounter stress during this early grain fill, it will terminate those kernels and that will go all the way up to through the milk stage. So we're still in that, you know, point of time to where the corn plant regulates itself based on the stress and the environments environment it is in now to where yeah, it'll it'll start pulling back those tip kernels if it doesn't feel like it has enough resources. One thing I've been uh, pleasantly surprised with, you know, with the dry weather we had in June, I was expecting narrow ears, you know, not a lot of girth, but from what I've been pulling and seeing, we're fairly normal. Um, so that, that's a good thing. So that that's setting us up for some good yield potential. So I, I would agree with that. You know, lots of uh, lots of 18s, 16s and 18s around, which I would say is pretty normal. I even counted a few 20s in some places. And the the length potential is very impressive right yeah. now. I mean, see how it makes it through up to, you know, R3, the milk stage. I, you know, we always get some amount of tip back. That's inevitable. Um, even even on good years, we get some tip back. But there's there's a lot of potential out there right now. So, you know, these re- this rainfall really saved a lot of the crop. And uh, again, we've got some decent yield potential uh, still out there. Uh, but with the rains comes something else. And Eric, I would imagine you want to talk about uh, maybe some diseases that are popping up out there. Yeah, so I'll start with uh, a, a couple of the um, the ones I'll say that are more common, that we're more comfortable with. You know, in, in scouting some fields, I have started to see a little bit of gray leaf spot, uh, which doesn't surprise me. I've seen a little bit of rust. Uh, mind you, all this has been in the lower canopy. Uh, it, it's not moving you know, quickly through the canopy, but it is present. Uh, I feel like that kind of set in later this year, uh, which isn't shocking because, of, you know, we've, we've just been so dry up until uh, about the 4th of July for, for most areas. But um, we are getting some updates and some reports of seeing some tar spot. So uh, personally, I have found it uh, in a couple counties in southeast Iowa. Um, we've got DSMs out, uh, in full force, our sales force is out in full force looking for tar spot. Um, and I've got, uh, a few counties here, you know, if, if anyone is curious, there's, there's a couple ways, um, you could go about looking to see if tar spot has been found in your county. Uh, so the crop protection network, uh, if you just Google crop protection network, tar spot map, uh, that will pop up and you can see, you know, where it's present currently in 2023. Um, I'll put a tar spot watch, uh, tar, you know, kind of like tornado watch, tornado warning. Uh, I'll define that. I, I heard probably the best definition uh, of what what's the difference between a watch and a warning um, when it comes to some of those things. So uh, tar spot warning would mean that uh, the ingredients are present to get tar spot. Um, and a tar spot watch means that 
it has been confirmed. So uh, tar spot watch for the following counties in Iowa, Madison, Marion, Mahaska, Guthrie, Dallas, Polk, Jasper, Hashik, uh, Boone, Story, Marshall, Tama, Hardin, Bremer, Johnson, Cedar, Muscatine, Louisa, and Lee. Um, and then I would say a tar spot warning out for uh, pretty much all ever, other areas in the Corn Belt that are um, you know, getting hit those heavy dews in the morning and have been getting some rainfall. I know this morning in particular, it's, it's quite dewy out there. Uh, and we've got, uh, overcast again with some, some smoke that's moved back into the area. So, uh, it's, it's a good recipe for tar spot to, uh, get a foothold in some of those areas. Uh, something else I do want to mention with tar spot in particular, uh, you know, this year, uh, we at Wiffles, we've, we've started what we're calling the disease monitoring network. I guess we should probably call it tar spot monitoring network. Cause that's really what we're trying to monitor. Uh, so any of you guys that have seen tar spot in your fields or suspect that you've seen it, you know, definitely reach out to your uh, Wiffle seed rep or your DSM and let us know what you're finding. Send us some photos. Uh, Cause we want to try to do a, as good a job as we possibly can communicating on, on where we're finding tar spot and when it's present. Uh, and that leads directly, you know, into uh, making some of those fungicide applications that are, that are currently happening at this point. Uh, what else did I miss on tar spot, Tharp? Uh, you're pretty, you're pretty thorough there. Um, <laughs> I, I, I feel would... like the national weather service rattling off all those counties. Yeah. If guys were doing the drinking game of the, times you mentioned tar spot they're they're hammered by now <laughs> so i would say uh just from a eastern you know the the illinois wisconsin perspective uh i'll guarantee you it's out there i really haven't heard or seen any but it will be showing up uh, i would just bet a lot of money it'll show up this week if it's not yep. already been reported on the twitter twitter sphere <laughs> If we, you know, if we go back two weeks ago, it's, you know, been about two weeks since we got that nice shot of rain that rolled through uh, pre-4th of July and generation time on tar spots two weeks. So I I agree with you. I would anticipate that we'll start seeing it quite a bit more this week if you're looking for it. And those of you that are looking for it, um, you know, I, I found it last Friday. It took me probably the better part of half an hour to find one lesion on, you know, probably the 50 to a hundred plants that I checked and, uh, it was, it was in the lower canopy. So, uh, you got to bend over. That's, that's where I was finding it. You know, I wasn't finding it on the ear leaf and above. So, um, but that's just a good plug. You know, if you are seeing it, get your fungicide applications made. And, and, uh, also while you're out there, I would mention, you know, keep an eye on, uh, silk feeding insects. I've seen quite a few Japanese beetles and, uh, that, leads directly into our next topic, Tharp, uh, you know, corn rootworm activity. What's going on with that? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of corn rootworm beetles flying around in fields, particularly if you go on some of your longer term corn on corn. Uh, We're also getting reports, I think, some northern diapause up in the northern western uh, parts of, of the area. So, uh, it's something we need to get out there. If you're seeing a lot of beetles, that means they've come from somewhere. So that was the larvae that fed on the roots and you probably have root damage down there, uh, on those plants. So you can dig roots and kind of evaluate that. But then, uh, basically now you're just assessing what kind of populations there, because if you have a lot of corn rootworm beetles flying around, uh, they are mating and they're laying their eggs 
and uh, that could, if you're going back to corn in those fields next year, definitely uh, you have a higher risk. So one thing you can do is put up what we call our yellow sticky traps. And uh, basically the beetles are attracted to those traps, the color of them. Just like if you wore a yellow shirt out there when you're scouting, they would be flying probably to your shirt. So uh, they're attracted to that color. They fly up there, they get stuck on there and you can count them. And uh, you can get, if you go to wiffles.com on our website and you want to get some sticky traps, we do have those available. I would just ask that if you do that, uh, report your results to your, your, to your local seed rep or DSM and uh, we can get those into the system. We also update maps weekly to kind of showing what we're finding out there and uh, where we're over threshold, which means pressure is high. But I can tell you without looking at the map, pressure is high this year. Uh, we did not kill any with the dry end of May and June. We didn't drown any. So, you know, they've taken their toll and we just need to assess that and, and make our plans for next year. I can't stress that enough. Those those sticky traps are invaluable. Uh, I know we we try to do a really good job of this every year. I know we've put out over uh, a thousand of those in previous years. I think last year we were up over eight hundred, seven fifty or eight hundred for last year. Um, really quick, handy tool to help you guys figure out what is going on in your field, and most importantly, make those decisions for. Uh, what kind of management or cropping system you're going to go with next year. So um, re reach out to us. Just because you planted a trait, uh, rootworm protected uh, hybrid, don't, uh, don't assume that uh, you don't have damage because with the populations we have, whether it's just high populations or if it's resistance that's going on, uh, there are traded fields that are with some severe feeding, some big populations. So. That's the other thing. So, you know, you can get out there and you can beetle bomb. You can throw an insecticide with your fungicide application. That will knock down a, you know, whatever's out there at that point in time. It helps. It's not a cure-all, but it does help. I guess other thing, you know, if you if you do get in these fields, especially if you're a longer-term corn on corn and they've just annihilated your roots, you really need to think about uh, rotating that field out next year into a soybean crop. And that will break the cycle. And if you do that, make sure you're controlling that volunteer corn. Yep. We would recommend any one of our Wiffles hybrids, uh, high quality soybean varieties in that situation. <laughs> yes. Right, Tharp. Thank you. But seriously, uh, we don't sell any soybeans, but in those high pressure situations, that is uh, that is one guaranteed way to ensure that you're not going to have corn rootworm feeding next year is rotation. So that's a good point. Well, not guaranteed, but close. <laughs> control your corn you won't have uh rootworm feeding in your soybeans <laughs> so with that uh i think that's a wrap for this episode um as always reach out to us with your questions your feedback you can you can get in touch with us at uh, agronomy at wiffles.com and submit those questions or or give us some feedback on these episodes with that stay safe out there guys thanks for listening <laughs>